Elon Musk seems to be everywhere these days, and so does Apple's Tim Cook. In a world dominated by social media and pop culture, it seems we're obsessed with superstar CEOs. They become the face of the company, and collectively, we laud them as business heroes. But every time we do, we ignore an inconvenient truth: CEOs are only as strong as the teams they build. Hello, and welcome to Cool Time Life. I'm Steve Prentice. Each of our Cool Time Life podcasts focuses on a topic dealing with people, productivity, technology, and life, and each offers ideas and facts you need to know about to thrive in today's busy world. An index of our podcast is available at steveprentice.com under the podcast link. On this episode, I have the pleasure to talk with Thomas Kyle, a business leadership expert whose recent book, co-authored with Mariana Zangrillo, is called "The Next Leadership Team: How to Select, Build, and Optimize Your Top Team." Their message, bottom line, is that while leaders may yearn to be the MVPs, business is a team sport. We're here to talk about the fact that you and Mariana have created this book, which is focusing on the idea that our obsession with CEO superstars is a big mistake. And、uh, we're seeing so many of these kinds of high-profile images.、Uh, Elon Musk, of course, takes the lead at this point, but we've seen many others with Apple and Microsoft and all these major names having a superstar CEO. And As your book describes, you know we are in a social media and pop culture world where we are obsessed with superstars of all types, those that have sort of obvious demonstrations of success and power, and we sort of laud them as the heroes, the drivers of innovation and success. But you are here to tell us that this is a mistake that that the most potent leaders cannot lead or change or run the organizations by themselves. So just. To give some background, why do you say this, and what, what did you find when you were doing the research? Well, we really started ten、uh, years ago to talk、uh, to CEOs uh, in uh, large companies in Europe and North America, and when you really talk also with some of these star CEOs uh,、um, in private,、uh, with、uh, uh, maybe not the press in the room, they very readily admit that、uh, um, they are maybe the the poster child of whatever the company does, but、uh, they alone cannot really、uh, accomplish any change.、Uh, in fact.、Uh, Um, those、um, that I would call the most enlightened、uh, are ready to admit that uh, uh, they are putting together a team, and if they if things really work well, then they have done a good job in actually putting together a team.、Um, that uh, it's really um, that team that. Needs to drive change. They alone cannot move uh, uh, what is at times ten thousand, twenty, hundred thousand people and、uh, get them to change what they are doing. They need many change agents throughout the organization, and they need to motivate them. They need to get them to actually implement、uh, a vision to help them to create a vision in the first place. And、uh, um, we were really surprised、uh, because this doesn't vibe at all with what we have in the press. Um, we often see that、uh, you know it's it's the one person, it's the Elon Musk, it's the Steve Jobs, it's the Jamie Dimon that uh, everybody uh, hears about because it's of course an easy story. This is one person to talk to. It's a face that you can put onto、um, onto a magazine, and uh, uh, it makes life as always、uh, so much easier if you can find a single cause、uh, for success.、Um, but it's a it's a too simple story. It's really not a story that、uh, vibes with reality, and reality is much more complex than that.
And that's uh, that's what we got excited about. That's what we've been studying since, uh, um, how are actually um, leaders in organizations putting together these type of teams that actually can engender change, that really can drive something new in an organization and uh, make the organization over time successful. It's an interesting observation that you make that they themselves uh, admit the fact that they can't do all of this themselves. So it appears that the bias towards the superstar uh, CEO comes from outside, from the media. Um, So we can all learn, however, from different types of leaders, good and bad. I mean, anybody who's aspiring to be a leader who already is a leader is looking to see what what can we learn from this. So question one, I guess, is, uh, you know, when you're looking at your uh, leaders who are currently running their own organizations and looking to these superstars as role models, what can they do to identify their company type and what the best leadership approach might be for their specific company? I think um, you can see a lot of how companies run uh, when you look at what kind of appointments uh, people make. Um, uh, are they, again, putting people in on the first row of the management team that are uh, themselves uh, uh, high profile, or are they rather building a team that uh, may be on the surface, not as shiny, but is really individuals that work together? And uh, I think it really has a lot to do that there is not a single solution that these people have. This is also something that we found really surprising because this is our other obsession in uh, in media, even in research, that we want to have one single solution that fits all situations. And what we really uh, found is that that's not working. That's not what happens in uh, in the real world, in the organizations that we are talking with. But rather, there are very different models that can work. Some of them run counter to what we like to hear. We nowadays like to hear, we want to have very cooperative leaders. We want to have leaders that engage everybody. We have some really good success stories where you have leaders that truly um, uh, walk ahead. They call the shots. Uh, Everybody else follows. Uh, Elon Musk in the positive at Tesla is an example of that, where he's been doing this fantastically. But it doesn't work in every situation, as we can see now at Twitter, where the very same approach uh, completely backfires. So what what we really find is that this is very situational and the really good leaders are careful to understand what's my organization about, um, what's the situation I'm in, and what kind of a team do I need in this organization and this situation. So they are actually more flexible in their approach than we often give them credit for. And I mean, even Elon Musk in the end realized that his approach doesn't work as Twitter. And he stepped back from the CEO position uh, to bring in a different leader that uh, uh, will lead in a different style. Indeed, that is a very good point. Uh, He did notice that sort of a mea culpa and said, "Okay, I'm going to bring somebody else in. And he's obviously got huge interest in Wall Street and other places where the investors are. So do you think that a lot of this is driven by the fear, for example, that a board of directors or a team of investors may have that if a superstar CEO steps down, it's going to devalue the company? Uh, So we want to prop this person up just simply because of of immediate vested interest in in maintaining good cash flow. Well, we we do see this. I mean, just just look at uh, Jamie Dimon, uh, JP Morgan. I mean, um, you know, it's it's very clear that the board is really in fear of him stepping down and uh, um, that there is nobody else with the same stature behind in the second row. And uh, that's, of course, something that also then puts these people even further on the pedestal. It makes it very hard for some 
somebody like uh, Jamie Dimon to uh, step back and, and take a back seat because uh, he is supposed to march in front. Um, so this is very clearly as well something. And boards and investors, of course, also love to have a single person that uh, they can uh, uh, that they can tap on the shoulder or blame when things aren't going right. Uh, that's, of course, again, much easier than if you're saying, okay, there is this team. What's your role in this? This is not working. This is working. To whom should we talk here? Um, so this is, of course, something that as well, both investors and, uh, and boards uh, do drive uh, to some extent. So as a leader of a company, what would be the three telltale signs that it's time to rethink or replace executive team members? So what can we look for to help us? I think the most obvious is when when the world around you changes. I mean, just look at industries like the automotive industry that is fundamentally changing. And uh, as a leader, if you see fundamental change in your environment, uh, you cannot run this with the same team. So this is definitely an, a situation where it would be very obvious. Um, also, when you've been successful um, for a very long period of time, it's a bit counterintuitive, but uh, if you want to stay successful over time as a, as a leader in an organization, you need to reinvent the company, you need to reinvent yourself. And that often also means that you need to change the team over time. Maybe not necessarily the approach, but you may need to bring in new blood, new ideas, etc., and then last but not least, these senior positions are very, very energy consuming and people over time run out of steam. They are becoming too comfortable. Uh, so over time, it's also a thing that you need to be very mindful as a leader when, when your leadership team members are starting to slow down, when they are not at their very best anymore, you need to think about uh, renewal. And uh, it's, uh, uh, I think every leader has a due date. Um, we, we've, I've really, we've really liked this when we talked with one CEO here from Europe. Uh, he said, you know, also I as a CEO have a best before date um, and the board needs to realize. And so I need to realize with my leadership team members. So would this be part of what you put forward that our top management teams are different from other teams? Is it that notion of, you know, being on the spot and being future ready at this moment, but also being ready to change them out if need be? Is that what makes top management teams different from other teams? Um, I think it's one of the th one of the key things, but I think it comes a lot down to the uh, degree of uh, responsibility that you have to take as an individual as opposed to the team. The, the really difficult thing when you put together a top management team is that you have to have individuals that can lead uh, at times large organizations themselves. So if you go to the top leadership team of a company like General Motors, every division uh, leader is uh, leading himself or herself uh, a massive organization. Um, and that means they have to be leaders in themselves. They have to be ambitious, very strong, but at the same time, they need to cooperate. And this tension between being competitive and being able to collaborate at the same time, you rarely find in other teams. Um, often you can create teams where it's really all around uh, um, collaboration um, that you, you don't have that luxury on the top. You always have to have people that can do both of these things to varying degrees. 
So in terms of the changes we have seen just in the last five years, I mean, obviously, we can't have any conversation without the fact that COVID and the pandemic stood in the way of everything and, and changed work models uh, very, very quickly. And some companies uh, pivoted very quickly and easily to uh, adapt this. But we're now seeing this, let's say that the tail end of this, and at least in terms of the whole work from home thing, hybrid workplaces and building companies and organizations based on a less of a cohesive workforce than we had just a, three or four years ago. So these are the quantum changes. I mean, they don't seem to happen that often. But uh, how would a leader you know, look to this and say, what happens next time we get one of these major quantum changes where our entire management model has to shift, in this case, to work from home or hybrid offices? What can a leader look into themselves to say, am I ready for this kind of fast pivoting as a, an attribute of my leadership? And should that be mentioned we really think that uh, if you look at the characteristics of uh, leaders in organizations, um, we, we're seeing a, a really a transformation. In the past, uh, people had to be good at, uh, at one thing. They had to be experts in an area. They had to be strong salespeople. They had to be super analytical in finance or something like that. And I think today that is really not uh, so much the case anymore. The leaders that we see more and more emerging are people that uh, um, are best described as good learners, as, as change masters that can reinvent themselves. And I think this is a this is exactly the skill that you're talking about. Um, that uh, you cannot get stuck in a single model, and we're seeing this in uh, in the aftermath of COVID. When when we heard people, okay, now you have to immediately come back to the office, or um, we have to go back to the old model, because there were still and there still are leaders that uh, are very much stuck in in a model. Because you know we have Elon Musk, we have Mark Zuckerberg, where it's really about uh, I would say almost a personality cult, and then you have the counter model of that. You have Satya Nadella, who's obviously also has a, a very public stature, but is a lot less about a superstar CEO, but really pushed uh, collaboration into Microsoft, uh, where this was really an antithesis. Uh, uh, or if you go to Google and Alphabet, uh, you know, Sundar Pichai was not really um, the, the superstar. And even today, he's very toned down. He's uh, uh, much more making the organization shine than necessarily um, being about shining himself. So, so I think this is really in the tech space. Both of these models can work. It has something to do as well with the, with the individual, and it's very clear that uh, you know has to do with the ego of people, etc. Yeah, and the, the Satya Nadella case is, is fascinating, given there's only ever been three CEOs at Microsoft, and they they, they are so different in their approaches in terms of the the engine, yes. the engineer, the Wall Street maven, and now we've got the the love guru, basically. And I think that's an amazing evolution. So this is great. And I just want to circle back around again, because when you see uh, leaders like Nutella, who are people focused, and I'm, I'm following somebody on Twitter, mm -hmm. uh, on uh, LinkedIn, who I love greatly from this. Her name is Farah Robin Gilston. Her company makes footwear. And she, she, she's a servant leader. She focuses on people. And uh, when and where and how you work is up to you, as long as the work gets done. Very much what I consider to be mm -hmm. the leading edge of this new approach. 
So once again, I just want to go back around to saying, do these kind of people who are servant-based leaders who are focused on the success of their team first, mm-hmm. um, do you think that they will stand a chance again with the the boards of directors and investors who are always concerned about having this uh, this rock star and this immediate solution? Do you think that they stand a chance to become the next generation of great leaders? Honestly, is it going to work? I think that uh, also boards are changing in this respect uh, um, because also boards are getting more diverse. Um, a lot of this has to do once you start to to explore um, more diverse boards, once you have uh, different voices on the board, uh, um, it starts as well that uh, you need to have different voices in the management team and different leaders thereby. So I think it's a it's a gradual progression. I think we're seeing some some good signs in that respect, also in terms of boards. Obviously, some move faster than others, and uh, and I would not claim that all of them will be like that. Again, you know, there are different models that work. It's not like there's a one approach only. But I do believe that uh, um, there are organizations that that take a broader perspective, bring in broader leadership, uh, and engage with leaders and with a different leadership style. Um, they will not be the only model, but I think it's one of the models that definitely does succeed and uh, will succeed also in the future. So just before we get to talk about your book, I'd, I'd love to have just a couple of minutes to describe how you put the book together, the research, the, the companies that you drew from in your research. Um, just from an advice standpoint, what advice would you give to somebody who is on a leadership track, who may be an aggressive individual who wants that that CEO position? Some people, of course, don't mind who they step on on the way up. Um, mm-hmm. But what advice would you give to someone who wants to become a, a rock star CEO, you know, don't do it, or here's how you should do it. If you see somebody who's got the the promise to become a great corporate leader, what advice would you give them over coffee? I think um, today um, I would advise anybody who really wants to uh, be a leader to not build a narrow profile. I think, uh, um, yes, uh, you need to make career progression, but I think uh, leaders today need to be much more balanced. So uh, looking just at the next uh, step up and the next job uh, opportunity upwards uh, may get people actually into a dead end uh, going forward. So I would today actually advise people to build a broader career portfolio to also explore uh, really engage in activities in the not-for-profit sector in uh, uh, not only work-related uh, things to build a, a broader personal uh, um, reservoir to build on, to build a foundation that that uh, is not only narrowly uh, around business success um, because uh, it makes a leader stronger in the long run. That's fantastic. And would you encourage them to be clear and demonstrative about their work-life balance, uh, family connections? I mean, leaders have always placed themselves that way as being great family people, but there's still a certain kind of stigma around taking time off work for health and for balance. Mm -hmm. Uh, Would you say that this should be something that should be now more visible and demonstrated by great leaders? I think we are seeing a shift because we are we are having now a generation going into the workplace that uh, will not really trust people that uh, uh, that do not look like themselves. You know, when you look at the generation of what is at the moment, my children, um, they they are looking up to people that actually show this balance. So you want to bring these people along with you. You need to 
be a little bit like them. So you cannot uh, not. I mean, there is a risk. Let's 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 be fair. I mean, in in today's world, we still see that uh, you have to be delivering. You have to be business focused. You, that will never go away. But you need today more um, to bring as well the the younger generation on board. I'm glad to hear that because I certainly subscribe to that just as a concept of just being a, a, a well-balanced individual. So just uh, if you would, tell us about the book itself. I mean, yourself and Mariana put this together. This was, a, I believe, a multi-year study. So tell us just a little bit about the, the research you did and a few of the companies that you touched base with to, to build your knowledge base for this book. Um, so, so basically, as I said, um, it's actually already the second book in in a series uh, that we are engaging. So it's a it's a long term endeavor where we are combining actually several uh, sources of data. We've done quantitative studies of uh, CEOs uh, and their success uh, when they become CEOs, and uh, on the other hand, we combine this now with uh, um, well over hundred interviews uh, of CEOs. Uh, uh, headhunters, uh, executives uh, reporting to them, um, trying to understand actually what they are doing because you cannot see this often from the external quantitative archival data that the, most of the quantitative research uh, does. And we've been interviewing in that context uh, CEOs in large organizations from uh, UK, continental Europe, US, uh, Australia, India, we've, we've really tried to give this a global coverage. There are, of course, differences. You know, the, the U.S. environment is, of course, different from continental Europe and def certainly different from India. But we see that many of these fundamental principles of leadership are the same because we're talking about how do we bring humans on board? How do we get people to actually do their best? And uh, in that respect, we are all surprisingly similar, independent of where we live. And then what we did over, over years, we interviewed these people. As I said, well over 100 interviews. Uh, several of them we have interviewed uh, multiple times at uh, different stages of their career. And uh, then we have systematically compared that, tried to understand how this works in different companies, different industries, different size organizations. So most of them are relatively large organizations. Um, and we've combined it as well, of course, with uh, what we could accomplish through secondary interviews. So we have high-flying organizations like Amazon, like Microsoft, uh, HSBC in uh, the UK, like Nestle, uh, ABB. Uh, so we have we have everything what are, what are really blue-chip organizations globally um, that we have uh, in this. Uh, some of them, of course, also with secondary data, but uh, with many of these, we had uh, we had the opportunity to speak uh, directly with the CEO. Wow, that's fantastic. I mean, those certainly are high pedigree organizations. So there's a lot of great learning that can be taken uh, just from their the, the differences as well as their similarities and being so, uh, so large and successful and, and broad reaching around the world. So Thomas Kyle, this has been a fantastic conversation and there's a lot of great learning that people can take away from what you've described here. So where can people find out more about you? Well, the easiest way is uh, to, to find uh, both me and Mariana on LinkedIn. Um, we just enter our name, Thomas uh, Kyle, that's K-E-I-L, and maybe Zurich uh, in connection, and then uh, I should be popping up. And uh, Mariana, the same thing, Mariana Zangrillo with a Z. Uh, um, and again, uh, uh, maybe Zurich, and she definitely will pop up. Uh, the book you can find on Amazon, like everything that we nowadays buy. Um, 
and uh, we we really would like to engage uh, with people. We love this t- to talk about this topic, and um, we really have enjoyed as well. I've really enjoyed the conversation with you as well. Well, thank you very much. Uh, the book again is called "The Next Leadership Team: How to Select, Build, and Optimize Your Top Team," published by Routledge this year. Congratulations, by the way, in the publication. So, uh, this is where you can find the book and more information about uh, what Thomas and Mariana have dug up and are sharing with us. So, I uh, invite everyone to check that out and, and uh, learn from it. This has been a, a wonderful opportunity to speak and learn with you, Thomas. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Cool Time Life Podcast. Thank you, Steve. It's a true pleasure. Once again, the book is entitled The Next Leadership Team, How to Select, Build and Optimize Your Top Team. This is co-authored by my guest today, Thomas Kale and Mariana Zangrillo, and is available wherever books are sold. You can find Thomas and Mariana on LinkedIn. It's Thomas Kale, K-E-I-L, and Mariana, M-A-R-I-A-N-N-A, Zangrillo, Z-A-N-G-R-I-L-L-O. If you have a comment about this podcast, you can drop me a line through the contact form at steveprentice.com, where you can also find my social media links. A full listing of past episodes is available at steveprentice.com slash podcast, so check them out and download whatever feels good. If you feel that you are getting value from this series, please leave a review and tell someone about us. And if you want, you can support us on Patreon. Contributions from listeners allow me and my team to spend more time researching and preparing our podcasts. If that feels fair to you, please visit patreon.com slash Steve Prentice. Until next time, stay safe and thanks for listening.